Mike Cyber Radio is an independently produced podcast. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host and the guests only and do not necessarily reflect those of any other broadcasting entities that either have been, am now, or will be affiliated with. Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. Uh, I am your host. Uh, This is the podcast radio show where I talk about stuff and things that are on my mind every week. If you want to get a hold of me, I am at Mike Seibert Radio on Twitter and Instagram, or you can write into the mailbag, MikeSeibertRadio at gmail.com. Got a full show for you this week, including a follow-up on some of the fall TV shows that I talked about on last week's podcast with my guest Dave, um, That uh, shows that I finally got around to watching, and a surprising announcement about a fan favorite departing a long-running show. Um, We lost a pair of entertainment icons this week, and I want to touch on that. I've also got some movie news and a few trailers that dropped that have inspired me to bring back a classic segment. All of that and more on this all-new episode of Mike Seibert Radio. But first... Uh, So my first shout out of this week is uh, for my guest, Dave Sanders of the Dave Sanders show. Um, I just uh, wanted to thank him again for taking the time to join me for that extra double sized uh, bonus episode uh, where we talked about uh, the fall TV shows. Um, That was a that was a hell of a lot of fun. It was great uh, catching up on old times from our uh, college radio uh, days over at KGRG. Um, I'm sure I'm sure this isn't the last time that Dave and I will be on a show together, so uh, stay tuned for future announcements. Um, My next shout-out goes to Chris Kim, the green Korean himself and host of the Faces and Aces Las Vegas podcast. Um, He's been doing something pretty neat with his show uh, for uh, the last uh, few episodes now. Uh, The uh, third in this series uh, dropped uh, uh, recently. Um, And basically what what he's been doing is um, it's it's just it's just really good stripped down podcast radio where in the wake of the uh, Las Vegas mass shooting he's been in touch with some of his fellow Las Vegas compatriots and they've just been kind of uh, uh, talking about how they feel about what's been going on uh, but more importantly they've been sharing some really good information uh, for for resources for uh, uh, people to connect with how to help the victims um, of uh, that deadly shooting that happened last week. And it's... um it's it's just really good radio because it's it's genuine, it's authentic, it's timely, it's appropriate. Um, so I just I, I just really wanted to take my hat off to Chris um, uh, uh, for doing that, um, and. The thing that I've always admired about Chris, I mean, you know, um, 
he and I just recently reconnected. You can um, hear us talking about uh, James Cameron and his thoughts about Wonder Woman, as well as a bunch of other things uh, on a on a past episode. But um, uh, Chris is just he's just he's just a good dude. Um, and one of the things that he's always been about that I admire is positivity and random acts of kindness, and that definitely comes through in this uh, uh, trio of episodes, which is seems like a ongoing series now of very special episodes of Faces and Aces Las Vegas. Um, but but one of the things that he said that that really resonates with me is encouraging listeners to do random acts of kindness, um, you know, in, in the spirit of those that uh, that were lost. Um, and I, I really like that. So I would like to co-opt that and pass that along to the Mike Cybert Radio listeners as well. Um, you know, they, uh, Chris and his uh, guests, you know, put out the idea of putting out uh, 59 uh, random acts of kindness, um, you know, obviously uh, one for uh, each of the victims. And I, I, I think that's great um, because I don't know about you, but I um. I like doing good. I feel like I'm a good person, but I d- my actions don't always show it. I'm uh, I'm I'm sometimes quite frankly too shy to uh, just just roll up to a stranger and do something nice. Um, and and it could be just something as simple as you know uh, holding a door for somebody. Um, you know, just yeah, it it, it doesn't have to be um, extravagant, but yeah, you know, just uh, just put some positivity into the world. Um, I, I, I think we can use it in in the wake of this, uh, you know, the deadliest uh, mass shooting in history, uh, United States history. And what's um, what what I find really um, bothersome, troublesome, upsetting, however you however you'd like to put it, is that as more and more time goes by after the shooting, um, we're we're left with more questions than answers. I feel like more questions are being brought up than are being answered. We're learning more and more about the shooter, whose name I'm not going to use here. Um, but more and more questions also. And it's, you know, I, I think back to other tragedies like this, whether it be Columbine or Sandy Hook or the the Aurora uh, movie theater shooting. Um, you, you, within a few days, the investigators pretty much have it figured out, you know, in terms of uh, you uh, just just what motivations were and and kind of deeper into the story and that doesn't seem to be the case here it's 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 a mystery that gets deeper by the day as opposed to becoming um more clear um so something that's that's definitely affected me personally is uh, because of my day job uh, uh, working for news and talk radio stations is I have heard uh, firsthand accounts of uh, uh, folks that were injured and have been affected by this. Like there was a you know uh, a couple that just gave their their account of running for their lives when they heard the shots ring out. Uh, there was a uh, 
um, uh, another guy from the uh, Pacific Northwest here that was shot in the leg and was talking about how he was, you know, uh, more or less telling his wife to leave without him. Um, just all, all of these firsthand accounts. And one of the things that uh, uh, Chris and his guest talked about in a recent episode is that since Vegas is a tourist Location, you know, there, there's people from all over the country uh, that are affected like this by this. Uh, there are a lot of people affected by this, and that that's the same thing here. I mean, it it I would almost think through my level of exposure that this tragedy happened here in the Pacific Northwest because I I've heard firsthand accounts from so many people from the Seattle area that that you would think it happened in our backyard. And obviously, being on the West Coast and you know just a short flight away from Vegas, it it stands to reason. But I I that was something that really kind of surprised me and. Um, um, just uh, uh, just really got my attention uh, those uh, those local connections so anyway I um, uh, check out uh, Chris Kim and uh, the faces and aces Las Vegas podcast uh, they are at faces and aces LV out on Twitter and as of this recording there have been three special episodes so far even though uh, they were recorded very um, uh, raw in terms of like like the first episode uh, came out like uh, I want to say uh, a Thursday after after uh, last Monday shooting and then subsequently after that um, it, it's still very compelling uh, podcast radio and I would definitely encourage you to check that out coming up after the break we're gonna switch gears and talk some tv you're listening to mike cyber radio hey everyone this is beaumont bob from bone with bobcat you can listen to me live every monday night at 10 p.m eastern at sfdradio.com where i'm bringing you the best of the worst in cheap booze talking bum wine beers 40s malt liquor and more always featuring the latest and greatest in the world of drinking and entertainment along with some special guests so come on down and take a ride with bum wine bob if you can't be there live you can always listen in the archives at bumwinebob.com so sit back relax grab a drink and enjoy cheers Where'd you learn to talk like that? TV! We talk TV! You talk some TV? I talk some TV. And now the news. Don't touch that dial. Welcome back to Mike Cyber Radio. Thank you for listening. Um, I, I wanted to kind of do a follow up and a recap on some of the fall TV shows that I had mentioned on last week's podcast um, because some of them the uh, the premiere episode I hadn't seen yet. Uh, so I just wanted to touch back on that really quick. Like um, uh, Lucifer, I saw the uh, that that was a recommend that I gave to Dave, my guest, and um, the. The season premiere didn't disappoint. Again, it's it's not a great show. It's not my favorite show, but it is a hell of a lot of fun. Pardon the pun. God, I, I oh that's bad. I just I didn't even do that on purpose. Um, but no, uh, Lucifer's a, a really good fun show uh, based upon the uh, Vertigo comic book of the same name. And actually, one of the the, the first things I noticed was I, I don't know if I noticed this in previous seasons or if it's 
new if they just added it, but they've uh, uh, similar to uh, Gotham and uh, Batman v Superman. Anything that has to do with uh, with Batman, they've amended it to say uh, created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger, uh, which I think is really really cool. But I noticed in uh, Lucifer they added a new uh, title card that I believe reads. And I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have it in front of me, but I, I think it says uh, based upon uh, the Vertigo uh, character. Um, I think it says based upon the DC Comics characters created for Vertigo by Neil Gaiman, Sam Keith, and uh, Mike Dringberg. Um, which I, I thought that was really, really cool because uh, in addition to having his own uh, Vertigo title, the character actually started off in uh, Neil Gaiman's uh, Sandman series uh, from way back in the day. Uh, so I, I, I just thought that was really cool to uh, touch and nod on that. Um, and I've been noticing that more and more um, with uh, uh, naming creators and saying created buys. You, you see that in a lot of the Marvel stuff, uh, especially like a lot the Marvel movies, um, since you know you're sticking around till the end of the credits, um, when they get to like the special thanks, they put just pretty much every iconic writer and artist that worked on that particular um, uh, a group of characters or movie or, or whatever. Um, and I just thought that was really, really cool. Uh, but the but the thing that really uh, caught my interest that I wanted to talk about here, and you know, you talk about comic books and tie-ins and legacies and all that other stuff. Um, uh, Tom Welling has joined the cast of Lucifer this uh, this season as like a a kind of curmudgeon-y uh, captain, a uh, police captain, which I think was really cool. You know, obviously uh, Tom Welling played uh, Clark Kent on Smallville for ten years and almost kind of became Superman on that show, mostly. But I've um I I wouldn't go so far as to say that I'm a Smallville apologist um, because I spent a good chunk of hate watching on that. Uh, you know, not all that dissimilar to Gotham, which I'm going to talk about in a minute here. Um, but, you know, I always liked the concept of Smallville, and I think uh, Michael Rosenbaum is uh, probably the best on-screen Lex Luthor we've seen outside of Gene Hackman. You know, obviously apologies to Clancy Brown's uh, brilliant voice uh voice acting on the superman animated series but but in live action i've I, i've always liked his version of lex Luthor. but i'm getting off track uh tom welling um he um i haven't seen him in a lot of movies or tv shows and it's interesting to see um an actor come back after an extended absence and you know he's he's looking a little paunchier a little stockier um and with with a fair amount of gray in his hair and you know i um when he stepped onto the screen my wife and i are watching it and i told her to pause it and she pauses it i'm like oh that gray is looking good Yeah, it's it's so funny because like you know he's still got kind of that that Clark Kent baby face to him, but with a with a, a splash of salt and pepper in that hair is a it's a good look and and I really like what they're doing with his character. He's kind of a a hard ass in a way that you wouldn't expect uh, Clark Kent to be. So so that's been a lot of fun. So again, if you haven't checked out Lucifer yet, it's a it's a light recommend from me. If uh, uh, but it is a lot of fun. Uh, 
a show that is no fun, though, that I talked about is uh, something called Nine JKL, and this was that apartment comedy uh, sitcom that my wife was interested in. And what it is is. Um, a, uh, a washed-up actor, TV actor, uh, moves back in with his parents in um, this... Uh, uh, apparently, the the entire situation is based upon the lead actor's life. I don't have the guy's name in front of me, but he was on uh, uh, Royal Pains for uh, USA Network, um, uh, played a, played the uh, Hamptons doctor for hire. Um, I never watched that show, but he's a good-looking dude. Um, but anyway, it's kind of based upon his experience, like he moved in uh, to the same uh, apartment complex in the city as his parents and his brother. And the um, the JKL refers to its apartment number nine, but uh, J is the parents, K is his, and L is his brother. And that it's like a th- three-ended hallway. I'm way over explaining this dumb sitcom. My point being is... Um, it's terrible. Um, it's it's very sitcommy. Um, even though I and and I was I was blown away to learn later that this was based upon um, this this dude's uh, actual um, experiences because on its face it's completely fictitious. But you have like you know the um, overbearing parents. You know they they share too much personal information. And really the the pilot episode that we saw revolves around the main character trying to uh, bring a girl home and hilarity ensues when uh, you know like his parents interfere and then like his brother and his you know wife and family are there as well it's terrible avoid it um, on the other hand, uh, the this this is really like the the most pleasant surprise of all of the TV shows that I have seen so far. It's uh, the Gifted. Uh, this is on Mondays on Fox, and this was the show when I was uh, talking to Dave last week. Um, it to me wasn't really advertised as an X Men show, and I really wasn't sure what it was about. Here's the deal: this is very much an X Men show, and and if you have even a passing interest in X-Men and aren't watching this, you are really missing out. It's uh, um, it's it's really, really cool. Um, the thing that, that kind of hooked me uh, right away is uh, you remember the future X-Men from the Days of Future Past movie, you know, like with uh, uh, Blink and uh, Sunspot and um, uh, what the hell is his name? Thunderbird. Um and you know some of the other characters from that future timeline well they're in this show and if they had told me that earlier on i would have been beating the drum loud and hard about this and would have been really excited about it on the other hand there's uh, I, I suppose there's value in being surprised right you know because I, I went into this with zero expectations and I I was riveted I um, I don't want to spoil it even though there's uh, you know by the time this podcast drops the second episode uh, will have aired um, but um, it's it's really good and and it had some surprises I wasn't anticipating and I I'm really anxious to see what they do with it and 
they're a little cheeky with the way the timeline goes because you know as we know X-Men uh, timeline is pretty Swiss cheese but I'm liking it um, I, I do feel that they're doing themselves a disservice by giving it an innocuous name like The Gifted I mean at least Legion on FX you know it's like they had like you know the the X in, in the O you know they, they kind of you know really kind of played up that this is kind of on the fr- while still on the fringes of the X-Men universe that still has to do with with X-Men people. Whereas, ironically enough, The Gifted, I think, feels even more uh, mainstream um, uh, primary timeline um, than, than Legion does. So, I, I again, I think Fox is really uh, cutting themselves off at the knee by, by not really uh, shoving it down your throat, saying, hey, you like those X-Men from that Days of future past movie well they're in this show plus you get some teen drama um a lot of coming of age stuff i mean if if you're an x-men fan you could have a clipboard of everything that makes x-men x-men you know from like you know uh coming of age uh teen angst persecution uh misunderstood you know hated feared hunted you know all all of that stuff you could just check off each box as you're watching and uh, again you'll find yourself uh, uh pretty pleased with it it does maybe have a little bit of a hero's vibe to it especially with the uh uh the dad character um but i again i i'm in I'm in. I'm I'm very anxious to see where this goes, and I hope it gets the opportunity to last. Um, because again, I, I I don't feel like they've uh, uh, Fox has really done their job by by advertising it. But man, with uh, between uh, the Gifted and the Orville, I think uh, Fox has a one-two punch in terms of uh, fan service uh, quality type shows. Now, you noticed in that one-two punch, I didn't mention Gotham. Yeah, Gotham is back to making me mad again. And, you know, I I may have to have a segment uh, each week or at least every couple weeks where I kind of uh, uh, check back with you to let you know how I feel about Gotham because... Season premiere, I was very excited. I'm like, I'm liking where this is going. And some cool character dynamics and paying stuff off. Well, um, I'm kind of back to not necessarily being on board. Um, uh, Mild spoiler, um, it looks like we're really hurtling towards baby Batman at ramming speed. Um, Bruce has has a costume now. And it's, it's the... It's the same, uh, it's basically the same story thread that they used in Batman Begins. Basically, Lucius Fox gives him an experimental tactical body armor suit. And that, that was, that was cringeworthy enough. But what really, what really I think, I mean, this, this actually made me audibly groan, um, the mask. So Alfred gives baby Bruce a mask and he puts it on and and I shit you not. It it does this audible uh hiss like like when Darth Vader's mask clicks into place like there's like compressed air being being forced out or something. It's dumb. And it's I just I don't know. I'm 
again, like like I've mentioned on last week's show, Gotham is a show that simultaneously gets it and doesn't get it, and it modulates back and forth so rapidly. It's uh, the the only other show that. I can think of that does that is uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, and I I talked about that a lot. Um, But speaking of, I did do a little bit of investigating um, because I I thought it was odd that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was absent from the fall schedule. Now, it turns out what they're doing is they're running in humans currently and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will be back on December 1st after Inhumans ends. So basically they're kind of doing the flip-flop thing like they did in uh, past years with Agent Carter. And you know what? I still haven't watched an episode of Inhumans. I'm not going to. I'd rather have Agent Carter. Me personally. Um, shoot, I would I would even take that that um uh what it, what were they gonna call it? Uh Marvel's most wanted or something like that, where it was like, you know, uh Adrian Pilecki and her boyfriend were gonna go off and have separate spy adventures in a in a pilot that went no nowhere uh, but anyway give give me that show at least but yeah inhumans just looks dreadful um I hate to criticize something I've never seen but through the through the commercials I've seen enough you know it's like I I saw um, you know a, a lot of shows will have Twitter accounts set up to hype them and things like that um, but there was there was an episode hyping last week's episode of inhumans and it gave like three character names that I've never heard of it's like oh when these people get together you know it, it, expect fireworks or something and it had a had a had a had a gif of people standing around and I just could not care less um yeah I'm just I'm just not on board with this you know I I think what would be really cool is if they take uh uh Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee's uh Inhumans miniseries from uh like the uh, early 2000s and adapt that into like say like an animated movie or something like that I think that would be pretty cool um because I mean the Inhumans are bizarre uh, Jack Kirby characters. I and I'll go even further, and I think I think they're too fantastical to actually exist in live action. And um, and we live in a world where Guardians of the Galaxy is a thing in live action. And I'm saying that Inhumans is maybe a little too weird for that. Um, but Lockjaw is adorable, though. Um, uh, you know, every time I see a gif of Lockjaw, it's just like, oh, puppy. And, and I'm not a dog person, but yeah, no, that they if they got anything right, it's 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 how Lockjaw looks. So that so that's pretty cool. Um, but there were there were a couple other shows that I wanted to um, uh, talk about uh, before I move on. Um, I had uh, I had mentioned Hawaii Five O earlier. And uh, when when the season premiere came out, um, turns out the show was light a couple cast members, and and the the whole uh, season premiere episode was about bringing in new characters, which is just I, I again I it it's not that it's a bad show, it's just I I I don't I don't, I don't know I I. Um, it's just not my favorite, and it, and it just feels very desperate and maybe a little try hard when you're when you're bringing in uh, young diverse characters uh, just to, you know, 
I don't know. I, I, I think when you have a major casting upheaval, you have to evaluate whether you need to continue to be a show or not. Um, apparently, and I did not know this until I was uh, doing research for uh, for this week's episode, apparently uh, both uh, Daniel Day Kim and Grace Park, who played uh, Chin Ho Kelly and uh, uh, Kono, uh, uh, respectively, um, they, they left the show back in June um, amid uh, contract disputes. Apparently, they wanted to have contracts and be paid as much as um, uh, the the two main leads, and um, I had no idea that was going on. So, um, rather than extending their contract, they just chose to replace their characters. And you know what? Unfortunately, I I think the show will be okay. I don't think it's going to suffer for it because really. It, it it's a show much like any other kind of crime procedural where it's more about the show itself and not so much the characters. Uh, not a whole lot of character development and growth. But one thing I do like as, you know, kind of a... Um, I mean, I, I was a fan of the show for the first several years it was on. I do like that they both kind of get um, uh, favorable and positive endings. Like, you know, um, apparently Chin is now heading up his own squad in San Francisco, and Kono is off, like, you know, uh, solving uh, human trafficking crimes abroad, and, and that's all kind of cool. I mean, I, I got no problem with that. At least they weren't, like, um, killed off in the off season um speaking of being killed off in the off season apparently um uh uh donnie Wahlberg's uh, uh wife on blue bloods apparently works at the same hospital that kevin james wife works because she also has been uh killed off in the off season um so the the season premiere of blue bloods happened and and um yeah it's it they, they were kind of dangling it around as kind of of a mystery like where where's uh donnie Wahlberg's wife and turns out he uh shares in a therapy session or it's brought up in this therapy session that that yeah she like got killed in a helicopter crash or something it's like and and apparently um unlike on hawaii 5 this wasn't like a contract dispute basically the actress had fulfilled her contract and all parties just just elected to not renew it so rather and that was just kind of how they wrote her out of the show which uh, my wife was disappointed she she always kind of liked her character and uh, liked how uh, she would kind of interact with the family and and would kind of keep uh, Donnie Wahlberg's uh, detective on his toes and you know I, I I don't I don't I don't specifically disagree with that but um one of the one of the complaints that I brought up last week was that this is a show that doesn't have a lot of forward development. So to see uh, to see at least like a character exit kind of kind of shake things up a little bit. I um I I can't be mad about that because I think that's actually what I was kind of asking for. Now, um, uh, speaking of departures, though, um, I, I saw this on uh, Twitter a handful of days ago. Apparently, uh, Polly Peretti, uh, who uh, famously plays a forensic scientist Abby Shudo on NCIS uh, since uh, 2003, when the show started, um, is leaving the show. Um, she just uh, recently announced that this season uh, is her last one. And I got to think, 
I mean, like, you know, um, you've replaced just about every other original cast member aside from Mark Harmon at this point. Um, I think maybe it's just time to let it go. Um, on the other hand, now, now that's me just speaking objectively as, you know, somebody that got hooked on NCIS, watched it, liked it because it had um, a cool, eclectic group of characters. And but now it's just... Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm not engaged when I watch. I, I kind of watch out of obligation. My wife still likes it though because she's got a bad for Mark Harmon. But, um, but yeah, no, it's, I, eh, it's, and, and this announcement means that you know it's just another component of what made the show kind of unique is kind of going by the wayside, and that's kind of a bummer. On the other hand, when you are TV's number one drama why would you end the show you know and i i don't have an answer for that um so another thing that i saw um in uh in tv news um you know obviously uh new york city comic-con was uh was this last weekend and uh the i don't know if you saw this or not but the punisher uh was pulled from nycc um you know in acknowledgement and in the wake of the las vegas shootings uh netflix and marvel confirmed their decision to remove the punisher panel uh from new york comic-con's uh line up uh, following the tragedy in Las Vegas. Um, obviously, the series is about you know uh, gun violence and vigilante justice, and yeah, I uh, that was probably in good taste um, uh, taking out that panel. But uh, I think from what I understood, they were supposed to gre- uh, screen the uh, the first episode and have kind of a Q and A. So it was kind of a bummer to miss out on that um but it it is a move that was in good taste though but speaking of New York Comic Con, there was a there was a huge surprise for Batman fans, and this uh, this makes me uh, really really happy. Now, those of uh, um, if, if you might not know, the uh, the first episode of Batman the Animated Series aired in 1992. We're uh, celebrating 25 years, um, and it was announced at Comic Con uh, that Batman the Animated Series is going to be released on Blu-ray. Uh, sometime in 2018. Now, uh, no specific uh, month or release date has been given, but just the fact that it's officially announced and it's coming is really, really exciting. Um, um, apparently what they're going to do, because the the uh, the original was shot on film and then was edited on uh, analog tape. So so even when it, when it's been out on DVD, it hasn't been in high definition. Apparently what they have to do is go back to the original film negative and restore it from there. Uh, very similar to uh, what they did with uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, where um, a lot of those kind of like uh, um, late 80s, early 90s shows, they were made on film, but then transferred to tape. Um, so like the original film um, is actually something we've uh, we've never actually seen before. So to see that uh, restored and released in high definition um, on Blu-ray, I think is going to be really, really cool. Um 
And um, I just saw recently, like on the back of a, a comic book, that apparently uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm is already out on Blu-ray. Um, I haven't made my order on Amazon yet, but I'm going to very, very soon because I, I think that's great. Um well, you know what? Um, let me know what your favorite episode of uh, Batman the Animated Series is. Um, I, th- there's tons. There were 109 episodes between uh, Batman the Animated Series, uh, the new Batman Adventures, and of course uh, the Adventures of Batman and Robin. But um, there, there's a lot of great episodes. Um, and uh, with a lot of fans, I think like favorite episode kind of like changes with the wind. But I think for me, and it's very very cliche because so many other people say it as well but but I my favorite episode that I always go back to is Heart of Ice the the Mr. Freeze episode um, that that episode won an Emmy and it's you know it it's it's for me it's the go-to there's a lot of cool ones like you know uh, almost got him or you know uh, Joker's holiday Joker's favor um, yeah just a uh, you know if um, if you're so smart why aren't you rich? You know, just a... I, I, I wish that Gotham would sit down with Batman the Animated Series and watch that and just do more of that. Because um, I, I feel that Batman the Animated Series is probably one of the most complete and most iconic versions of Batman to be put on the screen. Um, you know, Kevin Smith has talked about this a lot in his podcast before, um, but when I read Batman comics, I hear Kevin Conroy's voice in my head. Um, I sometimes hear Mark Hamill's Joker in my head, um, and, and I think where um, the comics kind of lose me is ironically enough with their depiction of uh, Mr. Freeze because like when I read Mr. Freeze uh, depicted in comics I can't hear Michael and Sarah's voice you know I can't hear the Nora or you know the uh, one, one of my favorite lines is like it would move me to tears if I still had tears to shed. And no, I just, I always loved that performance. So, I mean, I saw this in middle school. Like, you know, I uh, I wasn't a kid, um, but, you know, obviously not uh, not an adult yet. But man, that, um, that, just, that just really grabbed my attention. I think I was like just the right age for a more mature take on Batman. And I, I think it really stands the test of time. And I am super stoked uh, to uh, hear and see what what it sounds like on Blu-ray. And uh, one last thing I wanted to mention about New York Comic Con is I, I don't know I don't know if you saw this or not out on Twitter, but um, uh, apparently the 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 cosplayer that won Comic Con is the the person that showed up cosplaying as the New York City Convention Center. Basically, you show up to Comic Con cosplayed as comic-con i uh, i saw a bunch of people tweeting that out um uh, scott snyder one of the batman writers as as well as a bunch of other folks uh but yeah no that <laughs> just uh oh that, that just really really cracked me up coming up next old man mike returns and we're going to the movies stick around this is mike cybert radio 
in a world where Jay comes up with the plot lines to all your favorite movies. Is this a, it's about like a bunch of kids. I think they're like, they don't have parents or anything. They all live in a house together or something, like a tree house. Their watch is like a, you know, laser beam and their pen shoots rockets and all that kind of spy stuff, you know? And they have like, like gang fights or something. Probably a nerd that can drink a lot. There was like a wizard guy that controlled them. And he gets a bunch of people to be in his porn movie. And then the guy goes to, you know, actually do the deed on camera and he can't get it up or something. And they go dance with some Catholic chicks or something at a school. They, like fight the other kids. Some kind of bad drug deal gone wrong. The guy from Ferris Bueller's Day Off is trying to break into the martial arts scene. An underground fighting ring in Asia somewhere. I don't know. Some weird shit, man. Hopefully not coming to a theater near you. Poop culture, yeah, it's a poop culture. Oh, fucking motherfucker! It's time to respect your elders. Hey, you boys, get off my lawn. 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 Oh, God. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn. Get the F off my lawn. Sorry. This is Get Off My Lawn with Old Man Mike. So I had to bring back Old Man Mike to talk about some uh, some movie news that I've seen recently. Uh, first of all, um, it's going to be three years before the next Fast and Furious movie comes out. Uh, the ninth movie in the franchise has been delayed a year and is now slated to come out in April of 2020. Um, uh, April 10th of 2020, hashtag F9, um, is is uh is the uh, official announcement there I I don't know how you feel about these uh, these goofy Fast and Furious uh, car racing movies, but I uh, I personally and I've talked about this before, but I I really liked kind of like the last few of them. It's like I, I don't know how I would name it, but basically uh, five through seven, uh, you know, so like Fast Five, Furious Six. Is that seventh one also called Fur- Furious Seven? No, that can't be right. Um, but anyway, I mean uh, the weirdest naming conventions in this uh, movie series. But the the reason why I like them is because they are so overblown and ridiculous, and there's a degree of uh, a self awareness uh, to them that that I've always appreciated. I mean, I well. I'm I'm a huge fan of big dumb superhero movies and that's what these are. You know, it's like I see Vin Diesel jumping across a uh, chasm between a, a highway from like a tank to a car. That that's the same kind of stunt I would see in a Captain America movie. So at least to me that that's at least consistent and you know, um I I just assume these are comic book characters at this point, you know, they they must have a comic book super powers to do all of the stuff they do um but anyway so yeah so i i um unironically like those three and and those are the three that feature the rock the most heavily so i think 
what's what the delay is if i if i understand the rumor correctly apparently they're going to be spinning off uh, the rock and jason statham's character um into their own movie and they're going to have their own adventures and shenanigans and tomfoolery and that movie is supposed to come out in 2019 now i haven't found an official announcement there it's just kind of rumors but i think that's part of what's uh uh pushed the delay of uh hashtag F9 uh, back uh, back a year. So your mileage may vary, but I um, it, it's it's a very unique series in that it started off as just kind of like a uh, kind of uh, post 90s uh, remake of uh, Point Break and is really kind of developed into like this multi-genre movie it's like it's you know I always rib my wife when we're watching these movies because you know anytime there's like a fast car or hot chicks or anything like that on the screen I'm like oh hey this is a Fast and Furious movie and apparently there's a there's occasionally car racing. I don't know. It's a, uh, um, you know, let me know. Uh, tweet at me at Mike Cybert Radio or uh, send an email to MikeCybertRadio at gmail.com. Uh, let me know if I'm out of my mind. Are you a Fast and Furious apologist um, or do you just uh, do you just hate these movies? So, but the uh, uh, the thing I really wanted to get into, and the reason why uh, we uh, uh, I'm calling this an old man Mike uh, get off my lawn segment, is um, I, I saw a pair of trailers uh, this last week. One of them was for uh, Pacific Rim Uprising, which is the the inexplicable sequel uh, to uh, Pacific Rim. And I um, Pacific Rim is one of those movies that I think. I keep wanting to like more than I actually like it. It it, uh, it reminds me of how I feel about Tron Legacy. Like Tron Legacy has a really cool visual aesthetic and a uh, you know decent concept and everything should work. But every time I go to watch that movie, I watch that movie hoping that it's going to be good. I've seen it multiple times, but I, I, I rewatch it hoping it'll be good, and then somehow I'm disappointed when it's not. I feel the same way about Pacific Rim because, you know, you have, you know, giant uh, 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 mechas, you know, fighting uh, kaiju, you know, Godzilla-type monsters. You know, who doesn't like robots versus monsters? And I think that that hook has kind of what's kept me on board with Pacific Rim. I've uh, I've seen it a couple times and I it's the same thing. It's like, "Ooh, this is really cool." And then when it gets done, I'm like, "Oh, well, this is all right." Um but apparently the, the uh a sequel is coming and um, a lot of it has to do with the foreign box office because Pacific Rim famously didn't do very very well here in the United States so I I'm kind of wondering who this movie is for is it for the international audience is it for American audiences I don't know but I do know it uh, we've traded up from Charlie Hunnam to uh, John Boyega from uh, the the Star Wars movies um, oh and incidentally to take a quick aside these as of as of this recording the new trailer for Star Wars the last Jedi has not 
dropped yet. So um, I was really hoping to talk about it this week, but it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to. So I'll uh, I'll talk about that next week. But um, my uh, uh, my good buddy Killing Spree um, uh, said it best when he mentioned on Twitter that he's really getting a uh, Independence Day resurgence vibe uh, from the Pacific Rim Uprising trailer, and I'm inclined to agree. Um, but man, I'm gonna watch it though because you know what? Uh, it has that same visual aesthetic that I think I really need. Like like the new Jaegers look really cool. Like uh, you know, you've got one with a laser whip, you've got one with two swords, you've got something with like some kind of like laser daisy chain mace bull whip type weapon, and I am all about that. I um. You know, I'm uh, I'm a uh, suffering Transformers fan, um, so yeah. I mean, so I've I've always been into robots. Now, again, save your angry tweets and your angry emails. I understand that they're mechs and not specifically robots, but it's the same thing. It's you know humanoid metal uh, of uh, things with with degree of personality. You know, it's like like Transformers. You know, each uh, each of the Jaegers has kind of like its own um, uh, appearance and personality and things like that, but. Um, uh, but anyway, yeah, I uh, I don't know about all this. Um, it's maybe the thing that should not be, but I'm um, I don't know. I will we'll we'll see what happens. But by this trailer, it was one of those things where I watched it once and I was kind of kind of delighted. Then I watched it a second time. I'm like, oh, maybe I don't know about all this. Um, but okay, so here, here's, here's what I really, really wanted to talk about today. Uh, on Sunday, the final trailer for Justice League came out and I, I have said many, many times that I am just not on board with the Zack Snyder, uh, DC extended universe, um, hated Man of Steel, um, uh, really, really did not like, uh, uh, BVS, um, and there, there is, I have seen literally nothing from this Justice League trailer, any of them, any of like the four of them, um, that that gives me any kind of semblance of hope that this is going to be a good movie. And the thing that's very interesting about this uh, this new trailer is one, we get glimpses of Clark Kent, you know, hanging around in a in a cornfield, um, maybe with a digitally removed mustache. I don't know if they were uh, looking to show that off or not. I don't know. Um, but aside from that, it appears to be more or less rehashing the same footage that we have seen in every other trailer already, like in terms of, you know, uh, fighting off these parademons. Um, so I think that's pretty much the whole movie. Um, one of the things I, I didn't really notice um, until I, I took to Twitter is this has more completed and polished visual effects. One of the uh, complaints uh, from the first couple trailers is that it's so dark, not so much in tone, but literally visually dark. It's just it's dark and murky and black and you can't see it. Apparently, they've color corrected the sky to where it's um, instead of uh, black and murky, it's red and murky. So I um, 
I don't know. I just, you know, the, the character designs don't thrill me. I mean, the Flash is a character that's supposed to be running fast. Then why is he dressed in fractal tech gear then? It's like, you know, I heard something where like there's 200 intricate pieces of that costume. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't get it. He has like metal armor that it's dumb um cyborg looks like uh thanksgiving leftovers uh uh sitting there in the fridge all tinfoiled he looks stupid and incidentally i i i am all for diversity and inclusion and all of that other stuff but um and this criticism actually goes back to like when uh, DC Comics relaunched as the New Fifty Two, like you know, over five years ago. So it's not it's not a new rant. But my thing is like I I'm irritated that that they've retroactively promoted Cyborg from uh, the Titans to the Justice League. Just I'm I'm presuming in the interest of diversity, and I just I'm just not okay with that. Uh, quit trying to make Cyborg happen. It's not gonna happen. He's a cool character. But he needs to be hanging around with uh, with Nightwing and Starfire and Beast Boy. And, you know, it just it, it's it's it just doesn't feel natural for a cyborg to be hanging around with the Justice League characters and to be um, uh, on that same level. I just I don't like that. And and Surfer Bro Aquaman, I know um, it appears that I'm in the minority because I think Twitter seems to really, really dig Jason Momoa and they're really looking forward to this interpretation of Aquaman. But I just I I, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. It's, you know, like, again, it, it's it, it's surfer bro Aquaman. I just I don't need it. Um, but the the thing that I don't understand, well, I, I, multiple things I don't understand. One is uh, the tone. Um, this movie appears to just have a tone problem. It's a jumbled mess because it's, you know, grim, dark fighting with these, these parademon things. And incidentally, I've read a comic book or two, so I, I know what a parademon is. Um, but the fact that I have to read a comic book to figure that out is, is, is frustrating, but, um, not to get too far on a tangent, but, um, it's on that but then like the tone is all uh jokey and stuff like um uh you know it's it's like they're trying to do marvel they're trying to do this as the avengers and it's it it just comes across as flat like you know like a lot of the the awkward stuff between uh the flash and batman it's like it's funny oh awesome as a bat signal that's your oh sorry it's your signal that means we have to go now. Yeah, that's that's what that means. It's so cool. It is funny, like like in that first trailer, I like, you know, like what's your superpower? I'm rich. I like that. What are your superpowers again? I'm rich. But it doesn't belong in this universe. It doesn't belong in this movie. And I think the thing that bothers me the most about it is is the tonal shift. Like, for example, you have what I feel is a completely different interpretation of Batman. This is, this is Ben Affleck as Tony Stark. And while I don't dislike that specifically, because again, I think Ben Affleck is charming and funny. And if not for this being a continuation of what was established in uh, Batman v Superman, where, you know, uh, Batman is this, this hard ass jingoistic uh, xenophobe. Um, I, uh, 
it, it, it doesn't fit. The, the tone just isn't right. He has the power to wipe out the entire human race. And if we believe there's even a 1% chance that he is our enemy, we have to take it as an absolute certainty. And we have to destroy him. Um, and the other thing that, that really confuses me is what I've seen on Twitter is that um, a lot of people have said that, oh, I, do, I wasn't sure about this before, but now after watching this trailer, I'm in. And... I, I don't see it because it's it's the same footage we've already seen just with fancier special effects. I, I just, I'm not seeing it. I mean, uh, please let me know what I'm missing here. You know, uh, at Mike Seibert Radio on Twitter or uh, uh, Mike Seibert Radio at gmail.com because um, I know that there are uh, Man of Steel apologists out there, like, you know, Epic Film Guy Nick, for example. He loves Man of Steel and wants nothing more than for there to be a Man of Steel movie. And you can keep that, my friend. Um, and I just... The, the, the people that apologize for uh, this pair of movies, uh, Man of Steel and BVS, um, I just... I, I don't get it. They're not good. And, and I don't know. I just, I, I don't understand. So if somebody can explain to me what I'm missing and, and I'm not coming at this for, as, as just a blind Marvel fanboy, I do prefer the, the Marvel movies, but that's just because I prefer movies that are kind of fun. Um, I've read Dark Knight Returns. You know, I, I, I know from the source material, Batman is actually my favorite comic book character. Um, so it, it's, it's not like I'm down on DC. I want these movies to be good, and I'm frustrated that they aren't. And... I don't know what's going to happen in the future because apparently um, there's instead of like a interconnected universe, apparently some of these movies are going to focus more on one offs, kind of similar to Ant-Man or Doctor Strange having like side stories. I don't even know. But but the but the, my biggest takeaway from that Justice League trailer is that it's a mess. It's a huge mess. And just in the same way that Batman v Superman is a mess. And it looked like a mess in the trailers because it's like, well, okay, we'll just keep adding more, keep adding more. And now with uh, Joss Whedon coming in and doing extensive reshoots, I get the feeling that this movie is is just going to be an incoherent mess. It's probably going to come across as like one of those Transformer movies where there's probably, you know, maybe some individual cool stuff in there, but for the most part it's again, it's 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 just going to be um a huge mess and I keep saying that I'm going to go just to witness the train wreck, but I don't know. Like, um, I didn't see BVS first run. I saw it at a second run theater, played, paid, uh, paid $2 for my ticket and wanted every cent of those $2 back because it was, I, I was, I, I can't even say I was disappointed because the, I, Okay, I'll be honest with you. I I went to go hate watch it. And with Justice League, I don't know if I want to invest in a hate watch. 
I uh, I might go catch it later. Or who knows? Maybe the word of mouth is super good and it's like, no, Mike, this is a good movie. Check it out. It's worth your time. I don't know. Um, so uh, um, I, I, I was kind of trying to uh, tie some threads together and there's no way that I'm going to be able to uh, segue into this with uh, without it being janky. So I'm just going to go for it. Um, but um, a, a, another person that that's really in my crosshairs this week, that's really because uh, I mean, you're on old man Mike's lawn now and I'm, you know, I, I'm kind of getting out my my grumpiness a little bit here, but um, I I want to talk about Cam Newton because uh, um, I, I I hate this guy so much. And if you're a Carolina Panthers fan, I I'm sorry, but yeah, th- this guy's just an asshole. I uh, being a uh, Seahawks fan myself uh, in the Seattle area, um, just I I didn't. He wasn't really on my radar until uh, the uh, the playoffs, uh, where you know I got to see a lot of press conferences with Cam Newton. I got to see him like you know sn- snatching twelfth man flags out of people's hands and throwing them on the ground. And I've I've nursed a strong dislike and a grudge of this guy ever since. So uh, so uh, um, last week during a press conference, uh, this was on Wednesday. Um, uh, uh, Carolina Panthers beat writer uh, Jordan Rodrigue uh, asked quarterback Cam Newton about his receivers' improved route running abilities. He uh, he smirked and called uh, technical football questions funny, um, coming from a female, which you know. So yeah, I mean, if that if that doesn't illustrate um, how uh, um, how rude that is, um, here's a here's a clip. It's funny to hear a female talk about routes. Like, it's funny. Yeah, th- this guy's just an asshole. I just I I don't know how else to say it. But one thing that I I did like I saw this on Thursday that uh, Dannon the uh, yogurt company that was uh, that's one of uh, Cam Newton's uh, endorsement deals uh, dropped him. Um, so I saw that and. Um, uh, now I feel the motivation to go buy some Dan and yogurt. So um, if you're uh, if you hate Cam Newton, I'd encourage you to go buy some Dan and yogurt yourself um, because because uh, fuck that guy, he's a prick. So the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2018 nominees have been revealed. Uh, the 19 finalists vying for induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's class of 2018 have been announced. Uh, the nominees include Bon Jovi, Radiohead, Judas Priest, Dire Straits, Kate Bush, um, and more. And uh, the inductees will be revealed in December. And that, um, I don't know, it... it, it it got me to thinking one because it's always a diverse class, but um, it, it it just makes me think about uh, Tom Petty, who we lost uh, this last week, um, uh, the, the same day as the the Vegas shooting, and that was a man. That was a rough day at the office. Like, um, and the thing that I think made it even more. Uh, uh, 
distressing is that um, basically Tom Petty was uh, reported to have died twice. You know, um, obviously you've heard by now, but yeah, I mean, CBS really cocked that up. And yeah, no, it was, it, but it was one of those things though, between how fast things spread on social media and the, the way that I was taught in uh, my broadcasting classes was, um, uh, you know, obviously trust, but verify, but check three reputable sources. And if you do that, um, and if you're seeing the same story, then it checks out. Here was the problem. I could not get that that three reputable sources about Tom Petty. So I I went to bed Monday night not knowing whether Tom Petty was alive or not. And that um, in in the age of fake news, that kind of rattled my uh, my confidence in journalism a little bit. Um, now I myself am not a journalist, but I work with journalists, um, and it's 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 a hard thing, especially in a, a rapidly moving environment with um, you know constantly changing things. What happened was like Tom Petty was like um, had had a cardiac arrest and was like in a coma or something, um, and it was incorrectly reported that he had passed, and well he was in intensive care and ended up passing. You know, it it, uh, it reminded me of uh, uh, last year when Carrie Fisher uh, passed away. But I, d- I don't remember things as intense as this. It was like it was like you know, like Perez Hilton had said that Carrie Fisher had passed, but like nobody else had. Um, and then when the announcement came out that it it, it seemed. Um, um, you know, pretty legitimate, and I was able to verify it to uh, my own satisfaction. But um, with a uh, Tom Petty, I mean, obviously, we uh, started off the show with "Running Down a Dream," one of one of my favorite Tom Petty songs. Tom Petty was not um, what I would consider to be my favorite, you know. But I would never turn it off when it would come on the radio. Uh, but I, I, I'm not what I would call myself a hardcore fan. But um, uh, but yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, just just uh, just a tremendous loss. So I was thinking about this, and while while I do like a lot of Tom Petty's songs, I think I think the thing that has stuck with me uh, the most, or at least you know, when when I think of Tom Petty, I think this is the first thing that comes to mind, and and this is definitely a uh, generational thing. But but the first thing that pops into my mind is the uh, uh, MTV music video for. Uh, uh, don't come around here no more. That's that's the uh, that's the the fantastical Alice in Wonderland themed music video where like at one point uh, uh, Alice is a, uh, a sheet cake and they're you know chopping off pieces and and eating pieces of this poor girl and I just I just remember it being incredibly uh, you know psychedelic and um, um, kind of terrifying. I mean like uh, the way uh, Justin from So I Married a Movie Geek. Put Put it. He put uh, that was uh, that was nightmare fuel, um, and I'm inclined to agree. And I think for uh, those of us kind of in the MTV generation, I think that was actually kind of our introduction to uh, uh, Tom Petty, and I think that sticks with a lot of us um, uh, even now. And finally, and I um. 
I wanted to close out on this. Um, uh, Ralphie May passed away uh, on Friday at uh, age 45. Uh, uh, one of my favorite comedians. Uh, he um, he passed away uh, battling pneumonia, according to TMZ and the Hollywood Reporter. Um, and he's it, it, he's uh, he one of those comedians that was kind of on my uh, radar for the longest time, and then I kind of maybe lost track of him a bit. And now it just, um, you know, when it, whenever somebody in pop culture takes a pass, you go through this period of remembering their their uh, best stuff. Uh, you know, uh, we were just talking about Tom Petty a minute ago. Um, you know when uh, uh, when Prince, when David Bowie, um, shoot, even when uh, uh, Carrie Fisher passed away. You know, I I I watched Star Wars. You know, just to just uh, uh, kind of to to remember them, um, and I think. Um, one of my uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, Ralphie Mae jokes, and I, I think he did this on Last Comic Standing. I don't uh, I don't specifically remember, and I and I couldn't find it online, um, uh, unfortunately. But he was um, uh, he comes out, and it's you know it's kind of a uh, it's a silly dad joke, and I think he was actually doing it as a uh, tribute to his father. I think that had uh, just passed away, but. Um, he was telling he was telling this joke, and is he's um, uh, talking to an old man. An old man says, "You know, I have I have everything in life. You know, it's like I I have this amazing home. I have this beautiful wife, and we uh, we make love every day. And I'm 80 years old, and and life is amazing. But I'm uh, I'm really really sad. And it's like, well." Why are you so sad? I forgot where I live. <laughs> so, uh, uh, terrible joke telling on my part, but that uh, that that I I remember quite fondly. Um, uh, definitely edgy stuff, but definitely uh, worth checking out. And really, all I would say at this point is, you know, with uh, with all of the uh, losses and tragedies and everything that we've uh, had recently, you know what? Go find one of your loved ones. Just give them a hug. Or... You know, like if you've got, you know, friends or family that don't live close, give them a phone call. You know what? Call an old friend. You know, just uh, just reach out, make that connection, because as we keep seeing time and time again, um, life is short and life is fleeting. So um, um, don't don't take folks for granted. okay? And that's this week's show. I'd like to thank you all for listening this week and every week you tune in. It means a lot to me that you would want to hang out with me, even even if it's on a dumb podcast. <laughs> um, if you'd like to check out all of my past shows and podcasts, you can listen on SoundCloud, Google Play Music, the Stitcher Radio app, and on Apple Podcasts. Because um, sometimes we call it iTunes, sometimes we don't. I don't know. Um, regardless, though, like, share, rate, and review the show wherever you find it. I would appreciate the feedback and i will read your reviews on the air 
You can find me online at Mike Seibert Radio on Twitter and Instagram. And if you're interested in hearing your show promo or being a guest co-host, write into the mailbag, MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. And no new episode uh, later this week. I know with some of these extra double size episodes, I've been doing like a, like a Tuesday-Friday split. Nope. This is all you're getting this week because I am celebrating 15 years of Wedded Bliss with Mrs. Mad. Uh, so uh, um, if you happen to be listening, um, happy anniversary. Um, my name is Mike, and this has been Mike Seibert Radio. And until next time, make good choices. 